chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns? Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Welcome back to Saxon Jacks. I'm Tim O. And we're on the board. SP Futures down 14. NASDAQ Futures down 56. We were actually down. We haven't been down in a long time. We'll see if we stay down here. We got a bunch of bank earnings today. and I mean, earnings look pretty good. Uh, higher, in, higher earnings and higher interest rates, Kevin. Whoopee! Whoopee! They make more money when you pay more because they're not paying you crap. Just saying. Uh, but it's yeah, still- it's nice when the uh, um, when the revenue uh, let's say let's say when the uh, revenue side goes up and the uh, expense side doesn't have to. And uh, but J.P. Morgan is down uh, three fifty-five. It's two and a half percent. Let me see where Bank America is. I have to put that well, up. You a- know what the big deal is with banks right now is, uh, and I'd have to look at their earnings announcements and, and some of the uh, statements. But um, it, we, we are seeing banks uh, set aside bigger loan loss reserves. And if the market sees them as under-reserved, uh, I, I think that's going to hurt their stocks because um, I, I, I think most people think there's going to be a, a, a lot of defaults coming. That you know We've spent the last, I don't know, year building up consumer debt. Yep. Um, and and to a certain degree, uh, as we saw with the Board of Trade building, um, to a certain degree also some uh, uh, commercial real estate debt. And if uh, if the lenders don't have uh, adequate reserves, they're going to get killed this year. What percentage of the homeowners that bought their home in the last four years, maybe five years, could afford their own home right now? Uh, when did the rates start to go up? About nine months ago, no, ten months ago. It's not just the rates. It's it's first we bid up the prices. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, well, both the both. Yeah, yeah. We bid up the prices when uh, when the city shut down and everybody fled to the suburbs. Well, and the uh, the home ownership uh, number that we I'm looking at the CPI here. I had a chance to go through it heavily yesterday, but the because it came out the last half hour of the show. But uh, uh, let's see the. Rent of primary residence is up 0.8%, 8.3% year over year. And it's only 7.5% of anybody's package, their spending package. Uh, owner's equivalent rent of primary residence was up 7.5% last year. And I'm going to say for a new homeowner, it has to be, the number has to be 25, Kevin, not 75 I mean, versus a year ago. I mean, the houses are up and the winters, the mortgages are up. Other than that, we're fine. Yeah, I just. So uh, yeah, I, but I, I also think it, it, it isn't just that. I, don't, I doubt that a lot of people bought on a, on adjustables, so we, didn't, we probably didn't have to worry about that. Uh, but the um, the real kicker is is simply with the amount of credit card debt, with the amount of um, just general consumer debt, um, you know, different, different kinds.
kinds of loans, home improvement loans, et cetera, I think you're going, because a lot of those are adjustable. Uh, I think you're, you're just going to see a higher default rate. And a lot of the banks are reserving extra for it. But are they reserving enough? You know, because that's, that's certainly a way to manipulate earnings is, uh, you know, if, if, um, if you can't afford it, if you don't want to report a bad number, um, just go ahead and don't reserve enough and, uh, and you're not taking it to the expense line. Well, just in terms of, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not at all a fan of big banks. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I just, I think it's, Oh, come on. You love them. You I love them. But I mean, it's, at some point, I don't know. I mean, I guess the Fed has their job to do, but the job is not just mollycoddling the big banks. But that's what they think there is. They think they're hired by those people. They don't think they're hired by us. And I was talking to a good friend the other night, and he uh, just retired, and he's talking about he can get uh, 4.7% at some bank near him for a 15, 16, 17-month CD or something. Which isn't bad. I don't see any. I mean, uh, in your area, you guys aren't probably quite as. Uh, I won't say good. Uh, I will say good. Good as as we are. When I say we in Illinois, for those that don't know, Illinois was like the last state in the union to allow branch banking. So we still have, we Illinoisans, still have an awful lot of competition in the banking sector uh, at some level. So you're not you're not stuck with the Wells Fargo, Bank America only Chase. Uh, J.P. Morgan and your and your clientele, like maybe you are in California, where Wells Fargo kind of rules the roost. Now, of course, you could probably go online and that kind of thing, but I don't I don't see those guys at all being competitive right now. And uh, someplace, I think you you would have to, when you allow one of these firms to have more deposits than the law says they're supposed to, and all of a sudden you find out that they're everybody else is paying more than they are, you would think that a guy like Powell would would kind of roll over one morning and say, you know, I got to do something about this, or what are we doing here? But there's none of that, Kevin. It's it's, it's this constant shoving more at the big people because now they they're, they're either they're too big to fail or they're too close to you or or something. They're the one that got you in the job. I mean, we, we, we have to we have to break our way out of this, and I in, in virtually every industry, and I don't see it happening. I don't see how it does happen. Just saying. Um, well, right? and, and again, part of the reason, and I, I'm not complaining about this. This is this is our system uh, um, for for what it. What, what's good about it and what's not, um, except that we are we have such radical differences in um, in, in political uh, points of view in, in most areas, it, um, you know, or, or at least on, on extremes. If, if not, uh, it, that's probably better to say that on the extremes because, uh, as Hal likes to say, the Uniparty has its point of view as well, and uh, and that governs a lot of what we do. But when you start to look at uh, the, you know, uh, the, the very conservative or the very liberals, and both of those have a significant voice um, in shaping policy, as we found during the uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, uh, ascension to the uh, speaker's chair and, and that process, uh, we, we, we change, uh, we change uh, the power structure every few years if not every four, every eight. So now you're talking about something that is going to take years, potentially decades to fix. It's going to take agreement that we put something on a path and we stay on that path. And that's not going to happen because as soon as we change, uh, you know, uh, change who's in charge, we're, 
going to change the path. Well, I'm I'm just I'm I'm stunned, Kevin, because I mean, I, you were uh, a couple years younger, uh, and, and you weren't in the economic stuff as much as I was in Chicago, because those guys were all over this because they thought they were part of it. Uh, the phenomenon in the early '70s to mid '70s, where somehow the uh, the I want to say the intelligentsia, I wouldn't exactly call them that, but the people who were involved in free market economy and somehow with the elected officials, there became this, I don't, know, I don't want to call it a bond, but a, I don't know, what would you call it? I mean, it was somehow or another, everybody in that era got the, the hair up there behind and said, we can't have regulated airlines, we really don't need regulated trucking, we got to you know, do this, do this, do this, this isn't helping anybody. The idea that that over you know 45 years of aviation when it's when it's you know i don't know how many times probably was up a hundred times how many people flew in the 70s versus the 30s yet there wasn't one more new airline somehow or another this all came to a big fruition in mid 70s and all this stuff was deregulated maybe late 70s and all of a sudden you could you could fly well and in the mean and they broke up at&t they i mean whoever was in charge of that and uh all that, that stuff. Lasted, didn't it? What? Yeah, but then, but then all of a sudden, over the next ten years, there's less airlines now than there were then. <laughs> there's, you know, AT and T is back, basically with a couple of people controlling the whole thing. I mean, how is it that? I'm not. I guess I'm not. For a what? What happened? What was so unusual in that time period where people could actually look at stuff like that and say this isn't right? And all of a sudden, for the next however many fifty years, it's all been get back together again in a bigger yard, a better yard. I mean, what what was what was in the water, or or, or in the booze back in the seventies that caused people to look at things a different way and haven't since? Well, uh, probably uh, probably a big part of the problem is our generation, uh, the, all the boomers, grew up, and um, uh, you know there there was an ideology that went with the age group that. Uh, I mean, it was it was born out of the civil rights movement, the anti-war movement, et cetera. So there's a lot of that. I, I would I would throw out the notion that um, one of, one of the things that has happened is that big business has become liberal, not conservative, and yet the alleged conservatives in Congress don't realize it. So they're still catering to big business, just like the uh, liberals are. <laughs> so now you have this situation, uh, and and this is. You know, it, it, like like I said, Al talks about Uniparty all the time. This is where we are. Is the you know we're uh, we have our political people catering to the same group. I uh, I will I will always, regardless of the esteemed intellect of my of my co-host on any one of the days of the week, I will constantly argue against kind of what you just said. Big business. Well, you can do that. You'll be wrong, yeah. but go ahead. Okay, I'm saying big business is going <laughs> to. They, they, they may send a huge check to Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. That doesn't make them liberal. I'm going to oh, say. Oh yeah, no. Their behavior is what makes them liberal. <laughs> well, but I'm saying it. You, you, you. If there, if if Darth Vader was one of the three people running for mayor, you're going to send him a check because if he gets in, you got to deal with him. It yeah, doesn't I doesn't no, make. I, I, you, I don't yeah. think you're. I don't think we're saying different things here. Um, what, what I am saying, though, however, is from a policy standpoint, um, they're, they're, you know, remember, uh, big government and big government in, as uh, um, Lou likes to say, small-f fascism, 
big government and its and its tightness with business used to be just a Republican thing, and the Democrats pushed back against it. Not anymore. No. Well, they Not did. Anymore. But the, so, well, the Democrats aren't so, the Democrats. So everybody is perfectly happy with the way things they are from in, in the political power structure. Well, but it, Everybody but it, is really happy with the way things are, so it's not going to change. But in, in my Democratic Party, that's exactly what you would do. But my Democratic Party's been gone for 20 years or 15. I don't know what, yeah. these, I don't know what these people are. That's what I told you. That's your phenomenon. Uh, but, I mean, the Republican Party's all, different, all, too. All of, all, all of the people, me included, who, who were, you know, who, who would you clearly classify as, as liberals in, in the 1970s and 1980s, are now... Uh, all grown up and, and in charge. The difference is, um, you know, some of us, uh, some of us wisened up. And <laughs> I know I'm making some uh, some people's blood boil when I say that, uh, but others, uh, you know, others haven't, and they've just brought the uh, social ideologies into the business world and uh, and the sensitivities uh, that go with it, and and they want the power to implement it, and the power comes from their partnership with government. Well, uh, the immortal words of uh, Kevin Reardon, we started the show, he was a guest, and he moved out to the Burbs and can't come in anymore, but uh, terrific guy, and he would say, we would sit down there and have a drink, and he goes, and I'd say, well, you know, I'm a moderate Democrat, and I don't really have a party. He goes, I'm a moderate Republican, I don't have one either, because there's all kinds of people in the middle. And he goes, the, you know, the idea, I, and I don't I don't buy this part that these, these the uh, I, I think that the people who, you know, make make believe they go with the woke stuff. Make believe they go with the uh, we're all going to be electric, and we're, by the way, we're all just going to plant trees, and we're not going to heat the homes anymore. That's all. Don't, don't forget the stoves. Don't that, that, the electric stoves. Yeah, that, that, that's all, that's total BS. They're 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 just rolling with what they think is a short term phenomenon, and it, it'll change, and they'll change right back with it. I don't think those believe people believe that for a second, Kevin. I don't. I think a lot of them do. I I think they do. I I don't I don't. I don't, no, it, 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 it sort of depends. Again, remember, who, who, has, who has become the Republican voter? Working class, small business owners, etc. It's just that the Republicans don't realize that. And, and, and they used to be all Democrats. They have people. no clue who their voters are. That's right. But, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I am uh, not going to accuse my neighbor of, of screwing up the world because he's using a gas lawnmower. I mean, I would never do that. But I'm also, I think, more aware than, than most, not you, but... Uh, because I've, you know, I still talk to our, our our good friend Tom Conway, who was with Noah for a while, and he actually gives me the scoop on a lot of this environmental stuff. Um, I don't. I think it's very possible that since we're up to six billion people on the planet, that we could screw this up. <laughs> they're in the process of it. I, 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 you can't. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, woke in this area at all, or Mr. Green. But I also know, could we screw it up? Yeah. You know, and and are, are we in the process? Yeah, I mean, Tom. I think most people, however, will salute and uh, and, and implement uh, the the notion of a cleaner planet. I think most people are completely on board with that. Most I mean, remember when we were kids, people used to throw their crap out the car window. Yeah, routinely. You well, know that oh, here I, I just I, I just had something to eat. I'm throwing it out the window as I drive. That you know the litter was everywhere. I mean, it, that, it something that basic just wasn't the consciousness. I, I think most people are very conscious. People recycle. People do people do all kinds of things, and, and they do it routinely, and they do it voluntarily. I think people are on board with a clean planet. They just don't want to kill the economy in the process. Well, and I also um, think that when we talk about why why is it? I mean, I guess it's too much. But why is this? 
as, as, as our buddy Tom said to us, uh, he said, the, the, you know, what's, the, what's the first thing we could do for, to take care of the CO2 problem if, in fact, there is one? He goes, plant a million trees a year. It's easy. That's what trees do. Because, <laughs> uh, and I mentioned this before in the year, but it's probably worth talking about again. Those guys, I mean, the, the conventional wisdom, if you go into some bar or coffee shop where everybody's got their pinky up in the air drinking their wine or their coffee, and you say, um, what, where does most of the oxygen in the world come from? A lot of people are going to say, man, it's the Amazon, it's a jungle. Well, the fact is, that's totally untrue. I mean, t- Tom was, uh, after he got through doing the uh, uh, DC-8 flights over the ozone holes, which, by the way, are now repairing themselves. We, we, we're all going to die because of that. Now they're repairing themselves. Um, not that all everything's going to repair itself. Um, <coughs> they did a, uh, they flew everywhere, well, I don't know, everywhere in the world, but it flew damn near everywhere they could find looking for CO2 patterns and they made these sensitive stuff in the planes and they would fly and they could tell in that area where the CO2 was either, you know, the oxygen versus CO2 levels everywhere. And uh, and he said, on land it's almost not that much of a problem. He said, the Amazon is almost exactly in equilibrium because for every tree that's belching out oxygen, there's a tree on the ground with a gazillion termites eating it, spitting up carbon dioxide. So every area goes into equilibrium after like a really long time. This is the most incredible oxygen bloom they ever found. They flew over Yellowstone Park probably three or f- yellow, uh, probably three or four years after the uh, all the fires. He said the oxygen meter damn near broke the end of the of the dial. He said the thing was was just spitting op- oxygen. So it's all uh, new growth. Absolutely, you know, brings action to the, to, the, to the moon like there's no tomorrow. So the, what you want to do is if you can even forest preserves, clean out some of the other stuff, and if you can, we can have high school kids do this in the summer. Everybody gets an acre or two. Clean up the other stuff, clean up the crap, plant a whole bunch of new stuff. And, and I bet if you had a plane go over that thing, or a balloon, or whatever you want to use, two years later you'd find it, the oxygen coming out of there is, is triple what it was before you started. All this stuff, we, we, can do, we don't do any of this stuff. <laughs> we just bitch about it. <laughs> We can bitch so, about the neighbor. So, on the other hand, um, if, if you would like to have more control, and, and you believe in big government control, uh, what better than an emergency? As we and, and have we not learned that over the last uh, few years? Is that uh, you know declare an emergency, scare the hell out of people, and you do it? So, you know, do we do we have a climate emergency? Are we really about to choke and die on this? Or is it a, um, a basis for, uh, um, you know, for, for larger government and larger and more control over our lives? And if you go ahead and read the, um, uh, what's the guy's name the, uh, uh, that runs the uh, World Economic Forum, Klaus? Uh, well, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know the guy's uh, name. Uh, Some of your European that. bureaucrat I, versus one of our bureaucrats. Yeah, I, I, I have his book. It's called The Great Reset. <laughs> so... You know, people. Oh, you say the Great Reset is some kind of conspiracy theory? No, they wrote. He, he wrote everything in there about about how the COVID nineteen was an opportunity to completely reshape society and reshape the role of government in our lives. It's written. This is what all the Davos people are signed on to. So, you know, for my part, um, look, I, I want to clean the planet. I'm going to behave accordingly, um, and 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 that's fine. But I am not going to really think anybody is serious about a big climate emergency until I start to see Bill Gates, John Kerry, people like that fly commercial. 
Well, I'm with you. And uh, one thing uh, with all the good news I was talking about with our friend Tom, the piece of bad news is, is he goes, you can, you can up the amount of CO two in on land where, where we are, obviously. And he says it really doesn't. If it's a, if it's a tenth of one percent, all it's really going to do is make plants go a little faster. It's not the end of the world. He goes, the human body can certainly handle the difference. He says, but for some reason, it doesn't play nice with the oceans. One or two percent higher CO two totally screws up oceans and it and instead of really helping like coral reefs and stuff it hurts them so the danger is that you're going to kill the oceans which is what nobody ever says by the way although other worried about is the stuff here but i mean he says there definitely is a but I, I don't see why do we really need all these plastic bags i mean i don't want the city charging me to get one when, they, when there's no paper one available do we really need can, can we go back to, to re, uh, redoing the pop and beer bottles and, and, and recycling them and actually refilling them? Why not, Kevin? We got no, we got I nothing. I actually fought the uh, plastic bag phenomenon for as long as I could until they stopped giving them to me in stores. Yeah. Um, I, I just prefer the paper. For, forget the uh, the environmental impact. I just like the paper better. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we're going to have, after a break, we're going to have Mike uh, join us. But, you know, yesterday, and this is not, not a PTI client, nothing. I just heard wind yesterday of... Uh, Somebody who uh, tried to open up a brokerage account and uh, was denied, you know, for like some kind of a fraud issue going back or whatever. So I go, okay. Uh, so I, I Google the guy, and sure enough, the court case pops up. And it was in 1994. The guy was an officer in a bank and did some stuff that, you know, obviously we didn't want. And uh, the, hurt the bank and blah blah blah. So not 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 a not a great performance by this dude or anybody at any at any stretch. And I, I assume since he lost an appeal, I didn't really dig into it that much further. That he either had a big fine or served time or both. This is this is pushing thirty years ago. Yeah, but now I I don't. Here's what I don't care. I, if there was a law that said if ever you're guilt of uh, any kind of a fraud conviction, I know for sure. If you have a fraud conviction, you can't be a member of a trading floor. You couldn't be a market maker like I was or anything like that. Uh, and, and you probably couldn't become a, a Series 7 broker like I am and everybody is a PTI. That, that part I sort of get. But I doubt very seriously if there's a, a rule or a law, an actual law that Congress passed that says the guy can't open up a brokerage, a retail brokerage account and, and buy himself some spiders, for God's sake. Or... I don't even know, does that include a bank account? We're talking 30 years, Kevin. I think if, if the regulatory people start pushing that down into the member firms and just say, you can't accept these people without any backing from Congress, I don't think, if, if they would have said the day that the guy was sentenced, oh, by the way, you're going to serve five years in jail and never even have a retail brokerage account, I get it. But I don't think that's what happened. I think it's an amazing overreach 30 years later for somebody to not be able to open a retail account now, does the guy is he able to get a bank account? I mean, does he get a checking account? I mean, what happens when they go to when we don't have any cash anymore? The guy, the guy can't live. I mean, I mean, this 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 regulatory overreach is so insidious. And I, you know, I talk about it all the time, and I don't think anybody thinks, even believes me. But it's happening all over the place. That's not some regulator's job. Oh man, the guy got a fraud conviction in 1994. We we can't open up a brokerage account for the guy. Well, why not? Should he be a market maker? No. Should he run Merrill Lynch? No. But I mean. A retail account? What's he supposed to do with his dough? He's still working, I would hope. It's exactly what we're talking about, though. It is It is all about power. How much control should government have over people? Well, what's the, so what has to happen? Somebody, when I say like Trump, somebody from the outside 
somehow manages to get himself elected and walks in, and the first time one of the bureaucratic groups pushes back at him, he fires the whole group. That, boy, Kevin, I would hate to do that, but you know what? I'm getting to the point where I'm not so sure that isn't what has to happen. You just got to start all over. And I, you know, I don't call, I don't know, I wouldn't exactly call that revolution, but somehow you got to untrench some of this stuff. And I, I don't know how you do it. Was I, was I booting people out? Maybe well, you let them. I, apply. I actually think it was a good start, and it's one of the one of the good things that was happening in the Trump administration that is gone now. Um, and that was the the idea that uh, for every regulation that goes on the books, two have to come off. Um, because uh, you know a, a that's real a, thorough regular regulatory review like that. That's a. Um, you just pick you know just cherry pick off the ones that are just stupid. I would I would say that that's a. A way of doing it, but a very half-assed way of doing it. I would rather... It's a start. It's a, it's a start. It's I would rather, a start, I would rather dr- drag all the people that are in, in charge in their SEC and, and the new people, ask everybody to resign and start over. And let those people apply again, if you want. But just say, this is my way of doing it. Our job is not to, is, is not to put rules forth every day just, be, just to make you look good. Anything Our job that, is to harass the hell out of consumers and yeah. bi- and small businesses. Absolutely, but big, big businesses, businesses, no problem. They can they can afford compliance departments. S and P futures down twenty eight, and as if you're nine, we're leaking a little bit. We'll be right back, with Mr. Mike Murphy. We're talking about these uh, what's going on with the president and Trump and and uh and uh, classified. Is your lunch menu classified, Kevin? By the way, if you, if you if you don't have a menu anymore and you have to scan the menu, does that mean your phone is classified? Could be. Could be. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Well, I'm going to play Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alexander on the board. SP Futures down on 28. NSA Futures down 88. Uh, we are leaking here some. We've got the bank earnings, which actually came in pretty good on the, on the, bo- on the top line and bottom line. The revenue was up. And, uh, but uh, let's see, what do we got? JP Morgan is. Uh, down four bucks, it's almost three percent. So and they came in the best. So you never know what these earnings these days. I mean, everything seems to want to move on the earnings. Anyway, uh, Dow futures down 195. Again, individual stocks in the Dow. J.P. Morgan's down the most at four bucks. The Salesforce down 247. Actually, we got United Health down uh, 567 as they had earnings today as well. That's over one percent. Um, over in Europe, we've got Dax up 14. Uh, call that flat. FTSE now up 31.4 percent. CAC around up 14.2. As Europe markets consi- considered to be buoyant to the upside uh, over the last couple of weeks, they've been doing pretty good. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 330. That's 1.2%. First time they've been down in a while. Hang Seng up another 224. That's a full 1%. 21,738. Shanghai up 31, 1%. All of a sudden, everybody wants everybody to invest back in China. Forget about all the nasty stuff they've done. Forget about all the slavery. Forget about all that stuff. If there's a money to be made, if there's a buck to be made, get over there. I mean, it's a... I don't know, I can't, I, it's not my morality, but uh, U.S., 10-year uh, rate up three basis points, 3.48. The bond down three, 2.12. Japan, exactly 0.50, which is where the government says is the highest they can go, and it's right there. Oil, uh, 42 cents, 78.81. Brent up 38 cents, 84.41. Natural gas unchanged at 3.69. Arbob unchanged at 2.46. We've got gold, which is... Well, it's exactly 1930 cents. So not exactly, but 30 cents above. Uh, interesting how that gold continues to I mean, hang in there, move up pretty much every week now. Nine-month high. Silver down 24 cents, 23.76. Copper down 4 cents, 4.15. An awful lot of people are con- considering silver a uh, lack of performer here. and They like silver better than gold, but so far that trade has not, has not panned out. Maybe it will, but it hasn't yet. Bitcoin down 62 bucks, but still almost 19,000, 18,896. And we have the U.S. dollar is uh, actually stronger today. Against the euro is up to uh, 1.08. It was up higher yesterday. And the uh, British pound is 121. So the uh, uh, dollar's higher for the first time in kind of a little bit. Uh, what do you got for us? Traffic weather sports, Andrew. All right. Starting off with sports uh, tonight, the Bulls are going to be playing the Thunder at 7 p.m. And uh, the Suns are going to be playing the Timberwolves also at 7 p.m. 
Chicago time. And the only other thing to note is that last night, the Blackhawks won over the Avalanche. Three in a row. Yeah. Run yeah. a roll. Pretty good. Uh, so that's it for sports. Uh, going over to weather. Currently in Chicago, we're at 31 degrees. Cloudy. We're only going to have a high of 31 today, so not much higher. Uh, over in Phoenix, they're at 49 clear skies, and they're having a high of 76 today. And now finally, uh, for Chicago traffic, uh, thankfully no major accidents to report on the major expressways. Uh, just something to look out for is traffic is building on the inbound expressways, specifically on the Stevenson and the Eisenhower. So that's all I got back to you, Chief. The, uh, again, we're kind of leaking this morning. It's a little bit surprising. I don't know if this is going to be going on all the way through earnings. We have Kevin. We don't have Mike yet, correct? Uh, no, we do not. All right, well, keep keep trying on that. Uh, so, Kevin, uh, I was going through some of the uh, CPI numbers here, and uh, the uh, Mike keeps texting me that he can't get in, so why don't you take care of that, Andrew? Uh, so do what you have to do over there. Work your magic, buddy. Um, I'm looking at the CPI numbers. I love this stuff, Kevin, as we argue about the big stuff, you know, like the, how we could say, you know, somebody's, a rent is only 7% of their basket and those kinds of things. Same way with medical care. It's only 7% of your basket. Bull bleep. But here's, here's a line. Here you go. And I know you're into this. Personal care products. Hair dental. I guess that's <laughs> what you put on your hair. Uh, uh, toothpaste. Shaving and miscellaneous personal care products. We're up 9.9% last year. 0.5% on the month. However... Cosmetics, perfume, bath, nail preparations, and implements. I don't even want to know what the implements are. They were down 0.8%. Can you tell me what the difference is? <laughs> no, I, one's up 0.5, the other's down. This, this, and I'll bet each one of these, if you, went, if you dug deeper, each one of these bizarre things has probably 50 items that somebody went and priced. It's how detailed so, this thing so is. Are we saying nail files are down? Uh, yeah. Nail preparation. Wow. Wait a minute. Wow. No, we're, well, I guess an, an implement, a nail file would be an, an implement. Uh, that's an. That would be an implement, I would think. Nail preparations, bath, perfume, cosmetics, as opposed to shavings and miscellaneous personal care. There you go. And for all those of well, you and, that, and, and and why do you suppose they are? Probably because demand is way down. Because if you were going to start cutting back on things. Uh, your cosmetic spending is probably one place you can do it. But you can't cut back on your shaving or your dental. No, but I can buy the cheaper shaving. I can buy the Barbasol. Um, that's true. Just saying. So th th this thing is, uh, of course, my brother thinks I'm nuts by I going through this Burma stuff. I shave, by the way, just because I missed the signs. Oh, God. Yeah, I missed Burma shave. I missed Maxima, too. I like that one better, but you can't find that anywhere now. The amount of... That's the phenomenon, Kevin, is you, as you go in these huge box stores... And you'll see these aisles and aisles of stuff. You look at the amount of brands there. They, they keep kicking brands out. You only see like two shaving. Well, you see all the, the ones that people have uh, little niche ones that cost a bunch of dough. They let those guys in there. But you really only have, you know, like a, a it's not like everybody's got, if there's four or five brands, they're not there. I mean, uh, you'll get more of them like in a Walgreens than you will like a, a Walmart or something. They, they're they're very even at Myers. There's like there's like two or three different kinds of pasta, and you go down go down the the block to uh, Caputo's, and there's a whole entire aisle. There's got to be thirty brands. They're, they're, they don't uh, plus the idea that you have to in some of the aisles you have to go stock your own stuff. If you're not big enough, you can't you can't play with those people. 
I mean, that's one of the biggest things about the uh, your, your your beer. How you have to get yourself a, if you even have a, a small uh, beer that you're trying to what do you call it? A micro beer, and you're trying to get into the <coughs> into the food stores. Well, <coughs> they're not they're not uh, packing that aisle. So <coughs> you got to be a pretty big boy to be able to send somebody out there in a truck to put ten six packs up there. That's why you have to cut the deal with like the Anheuser Busher people, and because they got the guy there already. So the bread aisle, the the, the booze aisle, a lot of those aisles are all self-packed. Because one of my uh, friends is in the wine business, or the, the, uh, works for one of the big distributors for wine and booze. It says they're, they're, you know, if you, you you get a certain amount of space in uh, in, in Myers, and if you know somebody else is in your spot, you stick it in a cart. I mean, they fight for their space, but they're they're the ones that are packing it all. It's weird. I mean, uh, how yeah, I had a student uh, who was a uh, independent contractor. He, he, he drove a truck, and he, he was an independent contractor. And he—that's exactly what he did. Is he went to all these smaller places, um, and uh, and he stocked their uh, products at Walmart and other you know grocery stores. The uh, but he, he 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 had that role that the that an Anheuser Anheuser Busch distributor would have. So he did that for a bunch of little guys. Businesses. Yeah, because you, you need to do it. They're, I mean, I got when I was uh, when my first job got it, it suck. Um, it's, I shouldn't say that, but it did. I was uh, High Low Foods. I, I got a job there at a buck sixty an hour. God, I hated it. It was minimum wage at the time. First day on a Saturday, I was twelve hours uh, packing grocery bags. The only problem was I was probably six two, six three, and the thing was. Designed for the ladies in the checkout that were five four, so I was bent over the entire day. God, I was I sore at the end of the day. And then you I, know, I uh, when when I worked at Better World Books, similar thing, you know, similar situation, different circumstance. But I tried to do every job in the joint for a day, and I am telling you that shelving books or picking books, when you get something on that lowest shelf, closest to the ground, uh, especially when you're a little older. Um, you, and you're bending over all the time. Uh, you get to about you know lunchtime, and every time you see a pick slip for one of the low shelves, you just start cursing. No, oh, yeah. not again. Yeah. The uh, plus, so after about a month of this, I hated it, and the guy gives me a dime raise, and I said, you know what, I quit. Buck <laughs> seventy. I do better just mowing lawns for God's sake. Look, I'm out of here. It was a the uh, it was an interesting group group of people. But anyway, the truck would show up, and you'd, you'd unload the truck. Essentially, into the back room, and then as, as time went by, you'd move every you'd, you'd move everything like four times. Um, so anyway, it was a it was a bad do. The uh, um, we have uh, I better tell Mr. Mike here we only have one line today, unfortunately. Is there ever going to resolve this problem between AT and T and uh, our equipment, Kevin? Is AT and T is uh, their story? Every time we went, ever since we switched over to those guys, it's been an absolute nightmare. So I, I tend to think that um, um, y- you guys either have some programming issues uh, in in your system, sort of like the FAA, and um, or, or uh, uh, you, you just have basic incompatibility uh, incompatibility of the age of your system and their systems. Um, what about my age? Well, yours is just incompatible. Period. Yes, I'm just. Uh, you know, you, you pick pick a subject. Yeah, I know. It's a uh, hey. So. Um, Mike was going to talk to us about this, uh, uh, all, the, all the, the documents that everybody seems to have. These, and I, 
the only thing I know about this, Kevin, is from the times the times we've had Wayne on, and I think it's probably time to get Wayne back on. But the idea of, uh, I mean, somewhere along the line, and, and I'm, I'm not going to make any excuses for Biden or like any of these people, but but because I think they're all seeming like they're they're caught in the same vice. I mean, you know, these dudes, they seem like they're the laws are not for them. But the weird part of it is, is somewhere along the line, they elevated they being some kind of a of an actual law. That virtually everything the president does or has while he's in there are not necessarily, when you and I say classified or for your eyes only, I mean, we would think something from like a James Bond movie or something, where this is something that really is something that if it gets out, somebody's going to get killed. It's it's gone way beyond that. It's everything the president like has ever done, every piece of paper he's ever touched. For the, the when These things are supposed to go to the National Archives. They're not supposed to be... If it was really classified and you don't want to see it anymore, you'd think you would destroy it or something. It's not. It's not what they're doing. I mean, the, the things that we would see classified. I mean, if they, I, I, I'm guessing that both. I don't know. I mean, I would guess that if somebody dumped the stuff that was in Trump's place and the stuff that was in Biden's garage and on the on the conference room table here at PTI, and three or four of us went through it, we'd say, "What is this crap?" On, on most of it. We, we, what, why is this even classified? What are we talking about? I mean, what Wayne said that they they take the stuff, they put it in the archives or the national archives, and it by boxes. And then when somebody gets their presidential library, somebody goes through it and puts a lot of it in the library. That now becomes an extension of the national. Most of the stuff is not classified. I mean, I mean when, it's, when, when 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 I say classified, none of, none of it is is dangerous to anybody. It might be dangerous to somebody's personality or to some guy he's talking to or whatever. It's like the Nixon or the Kennedy tapes. But I I mean I. I mean, when these kinds of things enter the press, whatever it is, Trump or Biden or anybody, the the person's job in, the, in today's world of fake news, there's been a discussion about this last night, the guy says he listens to news all day long, and I said, you know, with all due respect, that's not news. They're, they are looking for day-long ratings. That's a program. News is the... Uh, the, the companies back in the day giving the six to seven hour or five to six whatever it was to Walter Cronkite and saying this is our this is our uh, our, our civic duty we're going to give up an hour for like real news or half hour whatever the hell it was the, listening to CNBC all day is not news you get some news snippets right. in no, there. there there are there are some news shows on TV that are actually news where they just deliver you the news they may slant it they may choose you know I, I think the the biggest way to bias the news is what you do and what you don't cover. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And uh, and, to and to pick and choose there. But there are there is programming that I would call news. But there is nothing on in the evening that is anything other than uh, commentary. And, and I think for the most part, they don't try and pass that off as the news. Um, so that's not bad. But it is, it is what goes on during the day, because whether you watch CNBC or Fox Business Network or something like that, um, it, it, there is a lot of uh, messaging that is uh, um, that is you know dressed up and presented as news. Well, I mean, I agree with you there. Well, I mean, today, I mean, at CNBC, their their sole purpose in life, not sole purpose, but their big thing today is with the bank earnings. They want to be the first guy to have Jamie Dimon on their show, and they're going to ask him the questions he wants to be asked, and put a, a velvet glove or whatever happens to happen. The, the, st the stuff you mentioned earlier about uh, how many people are, are, are reneging on loans and all the individual stuff and how many people, how did, how did you manage to, what, you know, what exactly are your credit card rates today? 
you know, if you ask those questions, he'll never come back. Never come back. So the news is already tainted just because your desire is to have Jamie Dimon not to really find out what's going on there. Correct? I agree with you. So, I mean, anyway, with the... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's access, not, not reporting. So, I mean, when we, start, when we start, you would think at some point, since we've been basically farting around with, with Trump's classified stuff, I have yet to see, and this is what I, you know, when I was a Ute, relative Ute, I couldn't wait to get the, uh, uh, the weekly magazines, the weekly news magazines. You might say, why the hell would you want those things? Well, you have all your news shows, which I think were more news shows back in the day because they didn't have the day-long stuff. Um, <clears throat> you know, you'd hear like the, uh, the example I always use is the, is the, the, the war in where the Israelis were fighting the, you know, the uh, Palestinians and so forth in Syria. But you'd see, everybody's talking about all these snippets about the war, and this happened today, this happened today. Well, then you'd get your U.S. News and World Reporter, you get Time, you get Newsweek, and all of a sudden it'd be a 15-page, well-written article <clears throat> where they'd list the, the equipment people have on both sides. They'd show the maps the week before and show them the maps now of what the battle feels like. You got a full 15-page view of definition of everything that was going on over there. And I think it was reasonably, uh, you know, arm's length. I mean, it was uh, you know, how many tanks these guys have, how many planes that these guys have. There's nothing really like that now. You would think at this point... With all this crap about classified documents all over the place, left and right, <clears throat> that somebody somewhere on TV would place a list of, here's the different levels of classification. <clears throat> Number one, nuclear secrets or whatever it is. Classified, your eyes only will kill you if you even look at, send it out of the room. There's got to be 10, 15, Wayne would know the answer, of, of these types of things. Now, if the stuff they found at Trump's place or, or Biden's place is like, class 14 or 15 stuff we don't want to throw out because it might end up in a presidential library someplace do we really need to talk about it this much if, if it's number one or two i'd say yeah well what, what's trump or biden doing a nuclear secret in their garage or in their dining room table well but, I, I think there's a couple of things that that do make it at least somewhat newsworthy um and uh, and but you're right i do remember in the uh, hillary clinton email uh days uh, when when that was unfolding, there was a lot of reporting about what different classification levels mean. So you know, at one point it was there. I, it, nobody's nobody's particularly doing it now. They, there, there's a couple issues in, in the Biden case. One is if they really want to go after Trump for, uh, about it, now it's a little more difficult for the Biden administration to do it. Well, the difference in, in some people's minds is that. Biden sort of reported himself, and Trump dodged subpoenas for six months. Well, he, yeah, he sort of reported himself about the sort same of. time it looked like the Republicans were going to take over. Right, I, I get it. Investigate. So, um, so you know, the, the timing there, there is there is no coincidental timing in Washington. <laughs> I well, just I, don't believe it. Well, they found some in it. By the way, he, but, but he, he also he has self-reported, but at the same time. You know, when he says stupid things like, well, it was in my garage locked. My garage is locked. I keep it locked to protect my cor uh, Corvette, which is essentially yeah. what he was saying. If it were with my Corvette, you know it was safe. What they're not, what he didn't say is, oh, by the way, I didn't live at the house the whole time. Uh, you know, I, I, I was a lot of different places. But Hunter lived there for two years. Well, that guy's <laughs> not at all compromised, is he? It's Hunter, um, it's Hunter. The, other th the other thing they're not t saying, or that you're not hearing a lot of, is... This stuff that was stored at Penn State, it had to move twice, not once. You know, 
it was you know when now when we're starting to talk inadvertent, this is the second move for this stuff. But is I, I mean, the I, first move because the 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 uh, that office space and that think tank that they established didn't exist when he left the vice presidency. I, I have so I have very so, basic. So you 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 get a lot of questions, but to me, all of this is just the BS. Sure this it is. is. This is the nonsense. This is the political posturing stuff. But what is this here's, stuff? What are these? What, uh, what, uh, out of this whole incident, the whole thing that has my eyebrow raised is: Wait a minute, how much money did the Chinese put into the uh, Penn State think tank? Well, yeah. Well, that's if you follow the money all over all over the place, Kevin. We 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 would throw people out. We we can't even we can't even throw this guy Santos out. Why? 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 Because nobody else wants to set the precedent that if you lied about your background, um, yeah, you're going to get thrown out. I, you otherwise, know. you know, Senator Blumenthal, uh, Senator um, Warren, um, <laughs> the president, uh, you know, all of these people have uh, have some real persistent lies about their background as well. And I don't think any, I think people want to crow about it, and I think people want to uh, make a deal out of it as much as they can, but they don't want to set that precedent. Well, by the way, did you, to them too. By the way, did you like my the new background I made for you? What'd you do for me? Oh, yeah, I did. Yes, as a matter of fact, I uh, um, I decided yesterday so, that although although you you got you got to put you know uh, 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 chick magnet in there somehow. Oh God! Well, I guess if I'm lying, I might as well keep at it. Huh? Go go full go all in. Yeah. The uh, I. Uh, my, as we, of course, we argue back and forth, even on email, not just on the show, as everybody, the listeners can probably figure out. I decided that at least if we're going to have people fighting in Washington, they might be, might as well be intelligent people. So I was going to try and get Kevin and Carl and Brendan and everybody all elected, so at least they could fight, you know, on the government's dime. Uh, so I, what I have you, I, I had you as Colonel O'Neill, a veteran of uh, God knows what, and I, what else? I had Carl with uh, in some big think tank that if he. If he, if he asked him what he was think what he was thinking, he'd have to kill you or something. We had, but how many how many medals of honor do they have you with? Like four, at least. Yeah, something like that. We might as well, we got to work on this. You got to, otherwise we're just a couple, bunch of schlumps. You know, we're just regular people. We don't want to be regular people in no, Congress. Hell no, no, hell no. You can't get elected that way. No, it's a. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I just I you know as you know, Kevin, I'm a I'm always going to be till the day I'm gone. I'm going to be a simple simple soul. Now, if, if I was the mover, <laughs> if I was Chief and Kevin's mover in storage, and all of a sudden they call me to move all these boxes, did the boxes say clearly on them, by the way, for your eyes only, classified, if you touch this, you're going to jail? What do those guys do? I mean, if it's, if it's labeled like that, don't they say, hey, what the hell is this stuff? I mean, I, 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 the, whole, the whole process to me is, is, in, is inconscionable. I, I, the, where, where do, you, or do you have to open the box to see that they're classified? In which case, I guess I just move them, but... Does it say on the on the box in big orange letters, "This belongs in the uh, you know whatever the Atomic Energy Commission"? And well, if, if that if if it's if it's on the box, then that's a problem. But even if it's packed in the box, I suppose you could grab a stack of files and something was classified in the middle of it. Um, but generally, if you pack, you're going through and saying, "Keep no, keep this one, don't keep this one," and you know there there is some process there that. Uh, you know, and, and and I'd love to know what it is, and we're never going to know. I just, I, mean, I don't think these people are anything at all like us, Kevin. When you look at the the logistics of an inauguration day, uh, when when you know, by 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 noon, tr- noon Trump is living in the White House, and by four, Biden's in there. 
somewhere in that four-hour period, an awful lot of people got it off doing an awful lot of stuff, changing beds, changing dressers, God knows what they're doing, cleaning the place, hauling all this crap out of it, and hauling all this stuff in. I don't, I don't think these guys do anything. I think I mean, all this stuff is done. I mean, it, it, it's like a whole different world. When's the last time these guys washed their underwear, for God's sake, or, or, used the, or, or took their stuff to the cleaners? I, I, I don't think they do anything. Go to the grocery store. That's a problem. They yeah. don't go to the grocery store, so they don't know. So you know that. So then you get the president taking his victory, victory lap yesterday because inflation is down again, and he hasn't been to the grocery store because I think anybody who listens to him goes, "Whoa, what do you mean it's down?" But why is it? I, I just paid two hundred and fifty bucks at the grocery store. Well, the the inflation is down, price level is not, and when when is when is somebody going to come on TV and, and explain that a car went from. From uh, twenty five thousand to forty thousand on average, or forty five, and now it dropped from forty five to forty four. I hear a lot of people doing that. Uh, what stations? Are I, don't I don't go. I don't watch CNBC though. I usually, I usually watch the um, uh, the uh, the Kenny Channel. Well, we're going to have a uh, fact. We're going to have uh, since we couldn't have him on this morning. We're going to have. Uh, do you mind? Assuming we only have one line working Wednesday, but we'll probably get it fixed by then. Well, we're probably going to cede one of your half hours or twenty minutes to Mike because Mike yeah, we'll wants to work it, it out. No yeah, problem. we'll work it out because we can't. Mike knows real lot about this stuff, having been a whole career in the army and everything. There's no so, show Monday. Is there yeah, there is no no show Monday because we're off. Yeah, so we got to work our Monday guests into him somehow. Yeah, those guys have been uh, they've been they've been uh, censored pretty much. Yeah, they they've been twittered. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw that too. Just real quickly, the Taibbi uh, had another uh, um, Twitter dump this week. And uh, and and when it comes to the the Russian stuff, the stuff about Russian bots, um, Twitter told him no, there's no evidence of them. And several people, you know, uh, Schiff again, Blumenthal, uh, 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 the uh, uh, Feinstein, you know, all of those issued uh, statements about the Russian bots, even after being told that uh, that Twitter has no evidence of that. This is it, it's it's preposterous the the way people have just casually lied to us. Oh, it's... it's Well, th- you shouldn't be allowed to get that big and that powerful. Well, and, and at the very least, um, you know, I, I, I at least expect really good lying. Yeah, at least we should be good. Well, you know, you get sloppy with everything, Kevin. Whatever you do. You know, if, you, if you've if you got the job to collect garbage and you're the only one who has it and nobody can take it away from you, you're going to be sloppy collecting jar of garbage, right? It's just the way the world is. If there's no reason nipping at you. So. Anyway, have a good weekend, bud. SP Futures down 35, Nasdaq Futures down. And by the way, who do you like in the, the playoffs here? Anybody you got a favorite team? Oh, uh, you know, the, the team I really like to watch is the Giants. Or, excuse me, the 49ers. The San Francisco Giants are a baseball team. Uh, the 49ers, they're down to their third quarterback, which is, which is not really my point. My point is that they are really, really good at blocking schemes to get their running game going. They also got a great defense with it, and they're very effective with it. And it's if, if you get a chance to pay attention to some of the things that they're doing, it's 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 generally pretty subtle, but it is why uh, the 49ers are such a good rushing team year in and year out. They, right. they just have really good schemes, and it's the kind of thing that I, I wonder when other teams are going to start to mimic it. Aren't you uh, surprised that there's actually a Monday night game when they have to play on the weekends? Usually, there's no Monday night game if there's playoff the next week, and Yet there is one. Yeah, they're giving somebody a short week. Which is kind of... I hope that at least those guys are going to play on Sunday and not Saturday, whoever wins that Monday night game. 
Not that a day makes that much difference. Well, oh, I'm, I'm sure that'll be part of it. I, I have to go look at the schedule, frankly. I haven't looked at the TV schedule, and I don't even know what's on tomorrow. I've got to do a career fair in the afternoon, so um, so we'll see. All right, <laughs> we'll buddy, take I'm care of yourself. We'll talk to you uh, next week. SBF is down 36, and the SBF is down 121. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Oh, well, I was going to have a little bit of Jeff Beck playing, but it looks like YouTube does not work with our player here. So, sending right back to you, Tom. Let's get this going. <laughs> We're trying to get some uh, Jeff Beck going. We'll, we'll do that uh, by Tuesday. We'll have some Jeff Beck. And uh, uh, spectacular guitarist, uh, one of Kevin's favorites, and my, my buddies at Notre Dame are all huge uh, audiophiles. And uh, Jeff Beck was obviously one of their favorites, and they went to see him a bunch of times and everything. And do we have Mr. Carl? You do. How are you, bud? We were trying to do a Jeff Beck little uh, honorarium here, and uh, evidently we swung and missed. So there you go. Yeah, you know, that's a sad one. Yeah. So, but uh, then again, you know, he wasn't exactly a spring chicken, so. Well, it's, I think those, I'm guessing he pounded a lot of living in that 78 years. 
probably, probably. I, you know, it, it, there's everybody has a use by date. When you when you get into that range, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's that's not all that unexpected. Um, but when you get there, you'll say people that are older, ninety. Well, of course. People that are older are always ten years older than you are, right? No matter what age you are. Well, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm fifty nine, so I'm, you know, I'm still a spring chicken. Yeah, those guys that are seventy, man, I don't, those guys roll. Well, that's right. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> and when you're they're, seventy, they're the guys that are radio roll. Not, so there you go. The uh, so I was digging through the uh, CPI numbers here, and it, it, you know, just my curiosity, uh, Carl, as you as you know, my curiosity always is. How can something so detailed be so misleading? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I had to put up an article on that yesterday. The, the, the chuckle factor out of that release was was immense, and the what I thought was even more fascinating was the crazy oscillatory nature of the way the market reacted to And this morning, it looks like uh, people have decided that hey, wait a minute, there really wasn't any good news in there. And, and by the way, there's also a bunch of lies, which is a problem. I, I, one of the most outrageous was this, uh, oh, eggs were only up 11% last month. Oh, really? Is that so? Yeah. I mean, I get it. Eggs are, you know, not uh, a huge percentage of the average American spend, right? But the other thing, though, that, that and I've been pointing this out for years, uh, for the last 10 years, in fact, no, nobody wants to hear it. This whole thing with owners equivalent rent, <laughs> yeah. and and the that change, by the way, came at the same time uh, that that all the the rejiggering of the CPI uh, came with during the Carter and after the Carter administration, and it was it was essentially an attempt to uh, to take some of the sting out of the nasty inflation we were having during that time from the standpoint of government reports. It's the owners equivalent rent, um, inevitably it will show you in a declining interest rate environment it will understate the rise in house prices okay inevitably because it is is the rent that you could obtain if you rented your house as opposed to buying it and the capital cost of the capital obviously goes down when rates go down right right <laughs> so so therefore it that's uh, you know that's art- artificial Depression on what would otherwise be a, just look at the last two three years. I mean, you know, in a lot of places, house prices doubled or more, and so you should have had. And, and by the way, that's about twenty four percent of the basket. So that should have been an absolute. I mean, we should have had a twenty percent plus inflation number in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that would have been the truth, okay? It was, a, you know, the, the real CPI number should have been plus 20-ish or worse, and, and it wasn't. Okay, but now, when prices come down, OER is going, because rates are going up, OER is going to claim that housing prices are increasing. Right. Well, I... Uh... All right, so now you're going to have inflation stated in the CPI when in fact the cost of housing is declining and again 24% of the index well here's a good one I uh, you're right I, I got health insurance down 3.4% last month does anybody you've ever known had their health insurance go down well it's absolute garbage and you know here's, here's the funny thing I 
I manage my income so that I can qualify for the Obamacare subsidies because I refuse to pay an unsubsidized price for garbage insurance that's that it, it realistically is only going to be useful to me if I if I get run over by a bus, I get cancer, you know, something catastrophic happens, or I get shot, that kind of thing. Then it will have value. But for for the everyday routine bog standard stuff, I won't even let somebody have a crack at putting my name in a medical record somewhere. No way. I, I will pay cash, and my name is John Smith, okay? And if, and if somebody doesn't want to deal with me on that basis, that's fine. I'll go find someone else that will. And, and that's been the way I've lived for the last, Christ, close to 20 years. Okay, but uh, how do you... How do you... It's just because I know what they're doing with the data and the fact that they're going to screw me, and I, that I just refuse to be screwed. I, but now my question to you there, and I'm not, uh, I think you've done well in life, so I'm not going to ask you how you can, uh, you're not, my, uh, I guess I'm going to tell a story here. One of my uh, buddies, uh, well, he was one of our first clients, and he's got to be dead by now, but he had a, had a factory in Columbus, Indiana. I don't know what the hell they made, but he had a whole bunch of people working for him, you know, like you did at one point. And uh, what he did was they got a, uh, they they decided to self insure um, pretty much everything. So they got some uh, right. o- umbrella policy. Right. Yeah. So th- so basically, they lay off the cat risk on on someone like Lloyd's. Well, but they I don't know it was Lloyd's, but it was you know the biggest. Yeah, but yeah, but, but that kind of a uh, that that kind of a deal. But I mean, the, I mean to this day, I, I I haven't checked it lately. You would know, so I'll, I'll ask you. Uh, the biggest single drain, potential drain on, on an insurance policy is somebody having a, a baby that's all messed up and needs care for like 40 years or something. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's worse than cancer, worse than heart attack, worse than anything like that. But, but I'm saying worse in terms of money, not that you care for somebody. Uh, anyway, he decided he was going to give, uh, if somebody went to like a regular doctor or hospital and an appendectomy, they just paid for it, that type of thing. And he said by far... It became the the most profitable cost center in the place. Yeah, but but I don't I don't think you can do that today because you're not you're not buying the insurance you're buying the pricing of the network. If you don't have an insurance company, even if, if you were to get the umbrella policy from Blue Cross, say, and I'm not touting Blue Cross by any stretch, if they give you their network, so if 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 your junior accountant goes in for an appendectomy and he gets the Blue Cross price, I think you can sort of still pull it off. But if you got to pay the the everyman price, you have no chance of doing it, Carl. I don't think. Um, well, actually, that's uh, that isn't true. Um, it, it, now, where where the problem comes in is is you know in a trauma situation or you know you fall over with a heart attack, right? And you have zero negotiating power and zero ability to walk out and tell them to go pound sand. Uh, but the, but for, for virtually any other case where that's not true, uh, you, get your, you get your butt on a plane uh, or in a car and you go over to the surgery center of Oklahoma and you have whatever it is done, oh, but, but, done and but you, it's a cash transaction. For, for stuff that isn't that involved where they don't have to chop you open, uh, for the most part, and, and actually, I haven't had it fail yet. When I've needed something, I've been able to get it at, uh, let's put it this way, less than the deductible would be. Okay? But, I saying, but, you, but, you, but you, and, you and Kevin both say this. And you know, I, I, both, I love you both to death, but you're not every man. 
if you had a factory, if you had your business now and you had 200 people working there, you would never expect the guy at the bottom who has a, who has a, 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 a severe tummy ache to recognize that it's appendectomy and somehow get on a plane to Oklahoma and get it. He's going to go into the regular emergency room and you're going to get screwed if you're paying that bill if you don't have a... But it, it, well, except, uh, it, it, well, yeah, and but that's the thing is that, the, you know, I mean, when I, when I was running my company, one of the benefits that we offered our employees was health insurance, okay? And, and believe me, I understand the, the scams in that system better than an awful lot of people because I had to deal with it from the other side of the desk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I understand. And, and it wasn't just from, it wasn't for me. It was for, you know, the three dozen people that worked for me. Right, so I got the confluence of all the screwing that they tried to do to all of my staff right. members, Absolutely. and to the extent that I could, I sorted it out. And a couple of times, um, I, I sorted it out much to their benefit, and and much to the chagrin of you know shoving the requirement that they actually pay for what they said they were going to pay for up the insurance company's butt. So I mean, this was uh, you know. Uh, I've seen this on both sides of the desk, okay, and I understand it. It's part of the reason that I have the attitude that I do towards it. I know, but and the approach that I have personally. What I'm saying is, uh, when you look in the mirror, you've got to say to yourself, and "This is probably a good thing. You're not normal with this stuff." The re- regular people. Oh, I understand yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, reg- I, mean I, I mean, but the little stuff. Uh, actually, one of my my significant other, Audrey's best friend, or one of her best friends. She's a few. Uh, is a doctor, and she was the lady who was the doctor for Wrigley. And, and and they set her up at Wrigley where she would go to the different factories for like three, four days at a time, kind of go through everybody's files if somebody had a problem. The whole, the whole idea was to interdict a problem before it started, where they could they could have the thing done properly. I mean, she didn't treat people in there, but she had places where they could go where they would be treated uh, well and, and, and within their plan, and they would they, they knocked a whole bunch of money off their total bill in addition to giving people better care. Of course they got right. bought by they got bought by Mars and they got rid of all that. Screw that. Well, yeah, and I mean that was, you know, part of uh, part of my uh, desire to, you know, to intervene in as I I had a bunch of people that worked for me that, that did good work and that I didn't want to lose. Okay, and yeah. it's not just, well, you know, this guy's going to this guy or this chick's going to quit. It's that um, you know, being being unable to work if you're productive from my perspective as a boss, that's bad. Well, sure it is. Oh, yeah. Right? So, I mean, I want you at your desk doing your job because, well, guess what? You do your job, and uh, you're worth the money that I pay you, well, so this is a good thing. I, it, it, it was in a, I mean, that was the motivation. It had nothing to do with anything else, never mind that I like the people that work for me. But besides, it's a purely business thing. Uh, you know that's that's well, the motivation work, is that it's it's good for the company. Carl, it's, good for, is, you know, it's good for the bottom line. The problem is the rules are being made by the government that is so overstaffed, and they don't care if people are there or not. And the people don't care if they're there or not. I mean, oh, it's, it's yeah. uh, d- 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 chief. It's it's way worse than that. But, okay? but I mean, obviously, you saw this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, you're living in the 1990s or 1980s still when it comes to that. You see, you take a look at what just happened this week with the NOTAM system in civil aviation. Okay. I, it, that, it, it, for those who are unaware, NOTAMs are a, basically it's a list of, of abnormal things in the civil aviation system. So you have your sectional charts that you use to plot your route and it tells you where the ILS is and which way the runways point and all that fancy stuff. Okay, fine. NOTAMs are basically the exception list that are temporary 
So, for example, this runway is closed because we're working on it. It's got big holes in it. Uh, you can't land on that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. well, you can't uh, be a little bumpy. The president is in this particular place. You cannot enter this specific piece of airspace. Uh, it's and and if you, as a pilot, violate those, your ticket gets punched. Okay. You are required to know those things before you leave the ground. So this this is actually, I mean, I could probably write this software to do this job in a weekend. Well, this thing goes down. Nobody's paid any attention to this. Nobody thinks it's a big safety-related thing. Well, it isn't. It doesn't directly cause people to die. I get it wrong, and it doesn't work. Um, however, nobody can fly. And so all of a sudden, from like 2 o'clock in the morning until like 9, there's no planes leaving because... The FAA is called a ground stop. Why? Because nobody can get the NOTAMs, therefore they can't take off. They don't know where they can't go and what's not working. Oh, that's what happened. Okay. I didn't know I did not know that. Thank yeah, you. that's what happened. And and the thing is, why is this? Because the most important thing in all these federal agencies and all these private industries is no longer are you competent? Can you do the job? Now it's what pronouns do you use? What color is your skin? What sex are you? Yeah. All these other things that have absolutely well, plus, confidence you know, and every single business and government agency on the planet is stuffed full of people who are hired on that basis. And something that absolutely should have been completely redundant. It is a simple application. It is This is not a complicated thing. There should have been two, three, four, five of them all over the country. Any one of them able to take over instantaneously and all mirrored to each other. A failure, so what? We got three more. Well, no, 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 no. There's a failure, there's no more. Why? Because nobody paid any effing attention to it. And so as a result, you have a complete breakdown of civil aviation because of somebody's stupidity. Well, I mean, it was civil aviation it means airlines too, correct? Well, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, is civil yeah. aviation. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I, it's the civilian world, right? So that I mean, one I, single plane leaves the ground because even though they legally probably could, there's not a pilot on the planet that's going to do that and risk having his ticket punched. Well, so, okay, when, but now when you, if you're flying your two-seater, that's considered general aviation then, right? That's uh, it's still civil. You, if, right. you, if you breach one of those things, I, you know, I used to live in northwest Florida, okay, Eglin Air Force Base was right there. They put up no-tams all the time on training missions that they were doing, various things out in the middle of the Gulf somewhere. Here's a, here's a box. Do not go in this space. Uh, if you go in that space, the missiles that they're testing might lock on your plane and blow you to bits. Well, you're never going to do it twice. Well, yeah, I mean, but this <laughs> is the thing is, merely incurring into those places when they're closed, get your ticket punched as a pilot. All right, hey, uh, for the time we have in the first half hour here, can I get back to a little bit, because I had an interesting conversation last night with some people. Uh, you know, I got guys. Uh you got you to gotta have guys. Real guys have guys, right, uh, Carl? Uh, yeah. So anyway, well, I was out with a couple of my guys last night, and we were talking about one of the, one of the dudes. He's been on the show, and he'll be back on. Uh, uh, is a Works for a mortgage of, you know, what do you want to call it, a mortgage servicing firm, depressed mortgages, whatever you want to call it. Right. It has some interesting stories. But my question is, and, and one of the guys uh, was there last night, just bought a home in Chicago, and... Uh, Evidently, he put, you know, whatever, 50% down or something. He sold someplace somewhere. So he's doing okay. And uh, so he puts, and he goes, his, and, and I know from uh, Audrey, because she does a lot of work in a lot of different areas, and, and it's all very uneven here in Illinois, as you probably know, Carl. But in, in this 
thing here, we were talking about the owner's equivalent rent uh, piece and how screwed up that sort of is, but I've been going up and down this thing, and I, maybe I just can't find it, or maybe it's on the next level of detail. I don't, but and I th- and I think I've seen it before in here, Carl. So I, I, I'm thinking it's my, my me being bad here. I can't find it today, but somehow or another, as I'm in this shelter, I don't see a. Uh, oh, here it is. Tenants and household insurance. Right. It was up 0.1 percent, and it's it's 0.4 uh, percent of uh, of somebody's of somebody's. Uh, well, actually, it's three percent of somebody's basket. Now. Um, I don't see. There's not really. There never has been. I don't believe a line in here for taxes. Correct. Nope. There's not. It's it's it, it, taxes are on the other side of the sheet, and uh, which, but now, that does, which the CPI does not cover. Well, now this Chicago dude tells me that uh, his taxes, and Audrey's been telling me this for a long time. In some areas of Cook County, especially maybe in the southern suburbs, your taxes are sometimes multiple of your mortgage. No. Uh, they can be yes, and and actually, <laughs> I tell you, my, my parents where the, where they used to live, um, all of a sudden this this middle class house has has a seven thousand dollar eight thousand dollar a year tax bill. Well, I was just listening to Wayne this morning. Uh, I think it was Andrew. Was that Morton Grove? They're talking about the high school. Or maybe was that before I picked you up? That they're going to do some work on the high school. They want seven hundred hours a home. Like forever, yeah. not just for like, if you were to say a year or two, we need five million bucks. By the way, we're going to give everybody seven hundred hours, and people are going to vote on it for two years, and then it's over. I guess I can get it. I don't think it's going to be over. It's it's forever. Are you, you going to still be working on it ten years from now? But anyway, but Jimmy, the guy I was talking about, he says in Florida now, uh, and you are close to this. He goes, some people their mortgage is a thousand bucks, and their and their insurance is thirty five hundred. Yeah. You know, I mean, he goes. Some some of these guys are three and four thousand a month in their insurance. Well, you know, God forbid if you're down in Florida and you're in one of the your and your property gets raided on an AE or God help you VE uh, flood zone. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh boy! If and if you have a mortgage. You have to have that. You have to buy that policy, whatever it costs. It's uh, it's breathtaking. And, and the worst part of it is that if you now if you maintain it continually through NFIP, you're grandfathered, and that grandfathering is transferable, which is kind of nice. When I when I sold my place, uh, they had re-rated the entire area after Ivan came through there, and an awful lot of people got themselves hosed because they were technically, you know, they were in zone X, which is no special risk. So the insurance was cheap. They didn't have a mortgage, so they didn't buy it. And, you know, they didn't have to. And if you're in X, you don't have to. Uh, and then, after Ivan, FEMA comes around and re-rates everybody, and all of a sudden these guys are AE5s and AE7s and AE8s and things like this. And, and now they go to sell the house. They didn't have the grandfathering, and that flood insurance is $5,000. Well, I just, I mean, I, I like, and I'm not into the statistics as much as, as you are in some ways, but when I first went down there, <laughs> went down there for a, 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 a Orange Bowl game in 1972, I mean, Florida was a lot different. I mean, there were huge pockets of, you know, all kinds of people living there, being Miami, Lauderdale, and those kinds of places. Yeah. But most most of the, the coastline was, I'll say, I won't say wild, but 
nobody lived there. Or, you know, there were a few people, but it wasn't. Well, because they weren't stupid, chief. Well, no, right, right, my, what I'm trying to get to is, <laughs> is now the entire place is pretty much ringed with population. Right. I mean, so my point is, on the worst year, we you know we wrecked Fort Myers and you know three other places. It still can't be one tenth of one percent or one hundredth of one percent of all the the structures that are on the ocean in Florida. That even if even if you accepted that every year, or every other year, or every third year, the insurance if everybody paid it. It's it, it shouldn't be that high because you're not you're not going to wreck the entire coastline. I mean, it's, you're not you're not going to get a year where twenty percent of the coastline's wrecked. Where, where where years ago, if the if the hurricane hit Miami, you might actually hit twenty percent twenty percent of the value in the whole damn state. But it's it's gone beyond that to the place where there's so many people. If everybody on the coast of Florida paid four grand a year, you get the world's worst hurricane, and you're you're still ahead of the game, aren't you? Well, yeah, you know, the, part of the part of the problem that you have in places like that is that there's so you so you have situations like what happened, uh, you know, this last year over on the west coast. You have these these homes that were built, and nobody wants to live when they're sixty years old house that's on stilts. Okay, because you get older, you know, you have a little more. You know, you you don't like. I mean, I've, I've got two-story houses. You know, I got a finished basement. I'm, I'm sitting here right now in my office. How many people that are in their 70s and 80s wanted to climb in stairs? Right, like zero. Zero. So, so what they did was they build all these things right on the ground level, and it's, and it's six, seven feet off the water. Well, that's great until you get a hurricane that, that comes with a 15-foot storm surge, and it's all the way up to your roof. Well, yeah. And and, and the thing is, is that. This is what they've done down there, and it's and it's not something that happened in the 1950s and 1960s. You look at some of these places that got destroyed this last time around. These places are less than 20 years old. Every single person on the planet who did this knew what they were doing was stupid, and they did it anyway. And the same thing happened in Mexico Beach. You used to have with the, when when we had Michael that came through there. You had all these people. They used to have the, the, what, is, what amounted to cinder block shacks on the beach. They were cheap. The reason they were cheap was that they were cheaply finished, they were cheaply built, and everybody understood that if there was a bad hurricane, they were gone. Okay, nobody cared because they were cheap. They were they were your vacation house. They were they were not considered anything that anyone cared about. And then everybody wants to live on the water. So what do we do? We take the center place. We you know we we put a facade on it. We make it look really nice. We put an external on it. We do all these other things. Everything else. Oh, guess what? You didn't do anything about the fact that if there's a bad storm, it's going to get destroyed. <laughs> well, one of the one of the ladies, one of my uh, family members, like it must be her cousin, was living down there. And the thing that surprises me, Carl, is that somewhat of the stupidity. These guys had, you know, I, I saw a couple of crummy pictures of it, but they had maybe a twelve-story building. Now there's there's the beach, you know, and a few. I don't know what they were bars, right. and restaurants, and then there's the road. Then there's you know a parking lot, and then there's the building. I, I think is somewhat the sequence. So it's not right on the water, but it's you know pretty close. And uh, now th- everybody knows this thing's coming, right? So seemingly not many people move their boats. The weird part was nobody even moved their cars, like out of the lot or right. stuff. And they all got flooded. Actually, I know I know one of my best buddies. His friend was on the coast there somewhere. He moved his. Uh, SUV like a Cherokee or something 
and he had a, uh, a Corvette from like the 60s or something. So he said, well, screw that. I'm moving these things inland. He moved them inland into some place like some storage. They don't know where they are. They're gone. Storage places down. They're in the swamp somewhere or else they're out in the, in the ocean. They've, they haven't even found them. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, so, so the, the cars in the park, they don't think that to this day how long all that was, they can't tell this poor lady whether or not Somehow she was able to get in there, I don't know, a special thing, and got her stuff out of her unit. But they can't tell her if, if they're going to raise the building or not. They still haven't made a... But the, the, the one of the problems with the building was all these cars are bouncing around on, the, on the, the, the the water, and they're bouncing into, like, the fifth floor, banging up against the building. And that's yeah. what, because, like, most of the damage was the cars blasting. I mean, I guess they would have survived the water, you know, assuming you have to put all new, you know, HVAC and all that stuff on the ground floors, but... But the cars, I guess, did all the structural damage to the place. I mean, I mean, it seemed like there's a lot of stupidity going on down there about this thing, and people don't even care about any of this stuff. They just leave it. Oh, well, the, car, the car's insured. Screw it. I mean, uh, right. anyway, we got to go to break here. SP Futures now down 40, and as if he's on 131. Come back, we'll talk more about the markets and the economy this year. Uh, I'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3000. 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Low and Wolfpack Stocks and Jacks. I'm talking about Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 39. NASDAQ Futures down 129. Uh, so we're, we're leaking here this morning uh, to, to a reasonable degree. Uh, every one of the banks came out with uh, and pretty much beat on the, t- on the revenue line and had pretty good profits. Every one of them is down. We're talking about J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup. Every one of them is down to a certain amount. Matter of fact, in the Dow, we've got uh, J.P. Morgan is down, uh, well, down 374. They were down 4 just almost 3%. I mean, not horrible, but they're down. Uh, Dow futures are down 245. A lot of that is American Express down a dollar 96. We got JP Morgan down 374. We've got Microsoft down a buck and a half. We've got uh, Salesforce down 310. And United Health, which also had earnings down four bucks. So a lot of stuff is down some there. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up five, call that flat. FTSE up 30.4%. CAC around up 17.2%. So Europe is still. Uh, Pretty bullish on so far this year. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 330 to 1.2%. Hang Seng, however, up 224, 1%. Carl must have been a buyer of this thing at 14.5. That's why he's been so happy lately. Shanghai up 31. Uh, it's a full 1%. So Asian markets has now decided that's where we want to invest. I've actually read some stuff and heard some stuff the last few days. Don't want to invest in U.S. markets. You want to invest in Chinese markets. I I can't imagine giving a client that that recommendation, but. Then again, I'm not Goldman Sachs, I suppose. Uh, 10-year yield up 3 basis points, 3.48. The bond down 3 basis points, 2.13. Japan, wow, this is a bounce since we last did it. Uh, 0.53, where they're actually above the guide of 0.50, where the government said they're going to let it go. Maybe they're going to let it go even higher. We'll see. Oil, up 24 cents, but still under 80. 78.60, been up 16 cents, 84.19. Natural gas down 11, 3.58. We've got gold. Uh, 1901 up 240, so it's trying to hang on to this 1900 number. Silver down 26 cents, 2374. Copper down 3 cents, 415. We've got Bitcoin down 80, but still 18,877, which is uh, about as high as it's been in quite a while. And we have the U.S. dollar um, uh, slightly, well, actually it's it's up uh, the most of the currencies. The euro's down to 1.08, and the British pound's down to 121. They it spiked the other way yesterday, kind of giving that back. Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. All right, starting with sports, uh, tonight the Bulls are going to be playing the Thunder at 7 p.m., and the Suns will be playing the Timberwolves also at 7 p.m. Chicago time. Uh, and last night the Blackhawks won over the Avalanche. Uh, let's see, for Chicago weather, it's currently at 31 degrees. going to be a cloudy day and only going to have a high of 31. Now we're in Phoenix, they're at 49 degrees, clear skies, and they're going to have a high of 76 now, finally for Chicago, traffic. Uh, traffic is building on the major inbound expressways, and the only other thing to note is out on the northbound Tri-State. Um, where is this near? This is near uh, US-20. Um, a disabled vehicle is blocking the two right lanes out there, but it doesn't seem to be causing too bad of delays. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Why don't a bunch of guys get out and push into the side? No. You know, you would think... I mean, assuming it's not a wreck, yeah. right? 
or, or a semi. Why doesn't one? Why, why doesn't the guy driving get out and push it to the side? Well, maybe it's a semi. You know. Well, okay. Now that you know, <laughs> I, I, I got you. Yeah. I mean, sure, it could be a large vehicle, but uh, if it's a car, yeah. I mean, I, excuse me. <laughs> hey, Carl. I had a, we had a last week. We were not on on Friday. There, our normal Labor Day, and so we did some uh, kind of a fill in on Monday. But I had some questions from listeners, actually from a couple of the contributors. Um, sure. If you could go through, I, I'm looking here at 1990 on my page, and we had uh, it was like seven million unemployed and 63 million in the not in the labor force column, and now. We, you know, this is a long time after that, obviously. It's, we're talking 30-some years. Uh, but we, now we have 5.7 million in the unemployed column. At the other column, ballooned to 99 million. Somebody just wanted you to, or uh, several people wanted you to kind of opine on how this goes back and forth. Who exactly are all these people in the back column? And I, I always talk about, uh, you know, there are a lot of them are students. A lot, I mean, anybody in school is considered in the labor force, but obviously not in the labor force. And, uh, Retired people and those all those things, but hasn't there been somewhat of a, a change? Uh, and again, I'm not leading you. It's one thing that I sort of noticed. But back in 1990, I think there was some attempt that even if you fell off the unemployment rolls, you know, 26 weeks or whatever the hell it is, is the initial. I'm not positive. I think it's 26. And but you could still be quote looking for a job, and you would, they, people would attempt to try and keep track of that. Now I think the minute they're not sell- sending you to check, they've decided you've stopped looking and now drop into this other column. I don't know if I'm correct on that. That's what I'm asking. But what else has happened in the interplay here? Is it more people retired, more people in school? I mean, it seems like this this participation rate, we're now down to roughly 60, where we used to be 62 point something something. And that's that's a massive amount of people to take out of the we're earning column into the we're taking column. I won't say everybody's retired is taking. They love their own money. But... Uh, you know what I'm talking about. What would you, what, if somebody would ask you, what are the interplay between those two columns and how it's evolved over time? What would you say? Um. So I think there's been there's there's probably been more accuracy in that today it's easier to to track all this because uh, well think think back to you know the 1980s and you know the, even into the early 90s. If you want food stamps, for example, you actually got paper coupons. Okay, so uh, all of this stuff was done. You know, when 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 you got checks, you, you got a, you got a physical check for your unemployment. So they knew if you cashed it, because they got it back. Now everything's electronic. So uh, the, and and the Trump, but the, the and that means the delays come out of the of the reporting in the system because they can track the you know the, the electronic stuff immediately. Whereas with paper, not so simple. Uh, it's, a, it's a more complicated process. So I think the, to that extent. The other thing, though, and this is something that I've that is really troubling, and we don't really know exactly what's going on yet. We aren't going to for a while. I have my suspicions. I, I, I have very strong suspicions. Is that if you look at the at the disability number, um, which is not in that labor report, uh, kind of, sort of, you you can get it from there, but it's but it's not something anybody pays attention to. But Fred has it up as a graph that you can actually bring up in you know, the St. Louis Fed site. 
when when COVID hit, when the pandemic hit, that number went way down substantially. And that makes perfect sense because people who are disabled are typically in rather poor health and the virus was you know, was very good at killing people that were compromised in some way, right? So those people got taken out. They don't they're not in the they're not in the numerator anymore because they're dead. But now over the last well, since about twenty one, that number has been rising at an extremely rapid rate. And in fact it's going up at a rate the slope of that while there's a lot of noise in it month to month, the slope is it's something I haven't seen before. And there's no evidence it's blowing down. Now that's extremely bad. Whatever's causing it, you know, is well, I've talked about what I think is causing it. So of a lot of other people, it's uncorrelated data. The people who would try to deflect you from it cannot get into that data set, so there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, whether it's it's from people getting trashed and ruining their their own health uh, during the you know during the lockdowns or do, you know, the cause doesn't matter. The impact on the labor market though is severe, and and that is probably where a lot of that comes from because every tick, every tenth in that labor force participation rate, it's about 500,000 jobs. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's huge. I mean, people, it, it, well, same thing is true when you look at the hours work number. Okay, people are like, oh, it was up to, that's over a million jobs. Okay, yeah. I, that, that is an utterly enormous change. When, when you see changes, those are two numbers that are within the labor report. When they move, they really do mean something from a standpoint of the health of the economy. And, and you know, there's a lot of noise in them. So, you know, up one-tenth this month, down a tenth next month, that doesn't mean anything. You look at the slope of it over a year, though, and it does give you very, very useful information. And what we're seeing here is that these people are not coming back into the workforce and that, that employment population ratio is, you know, is a couple of, of points, not ticks below where it was and so you were talking about 10 million people basically disappeared okay we're, lo- we're losing you got to move to another spot in a room or something uh can't lose you when, when you're when you're on a roll uh, well yeah there you, there you go, is, back. i mean this is the you know uh, this is one of those things i mean you look at the disability table and it is what it is uh we're we're in here uh, you just mentioned the hours work number how uh, again, I, I might have asked you this same guy, but it's kind of a different question. Uh, on Monday, uh, I have, well, I'm going to call him a friend, but it's a guy that I talk to every Sunday morning when I get gas. And a uh, nice guy, used to be in the auto business, I think, or something, was in the supply area. Now he's working, you know, essentially at a convenience store. Uh, and he took another job in one of the uh, fast food places. And all of a sudden they tell him, okay, well, he was doing 34 hours a week there in addition to his other stuff. Uh, man, I feel bad for the poor guy. But uh, he, uh, all of a sudden they cut him from 34 to like 26. Now, Yeah, that's yeah. they, they start doing that to a lot of other people too. Yeah, it's, it's, now where, where and how quickly does that show up in the numbers you're talking about? Well, theoretically, it should show up in the next month. It's um, that's that's a really big deal. That sort of stuff was was something that uh, various employers did to my daughter when you know when she was doing the wage slave thing, like like you know, most young people do when they start, right? 
um, you know, she's she's getting 35 hours. She's, you know, it's a, or, or, well, after Obamacare came in, it was, you know, no more than 32 because we don't want to have to give you health insurance, right? Oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's yeah. was the scheme that everybody was running for years. And then all of a sudden, out in the middle of nowhere, it's, oh, well, it's 26. And it's like, well, excuse me, um, uh, <laughs> thank God that, you know, she wasn't living as, you know, spending every dime she had at 32, right? Yeah. Because well, uh, what do you do when all of a sudden that, I mean, that, that is not a small reduction. And that's the kind of thing that you see happening, um, you know, when when companies start to get in trouble is they do stuff like that. And, uh, you know, there you go. Well, I was... Uh when I'm, I'm, you know, chief cub reporter, I guess when I when I'm out talking to people, you end up asking the leading questions. I was getting it's a while ago. I was at the Walmart in uh, Port, uh, Porter, Portage, Portage, Indiana, and uh, they actually, when you look at some of the people they hired, they're kind uh, of what's a politically correct way of saying they're employable, but not exactly. Uh, you'd, you'd call them mild, mildly mentally issue, issues, whatever you want to. You know they could they could yeah. anyway, but they were nice about hiring people like that. So I, I was talking to one lady one morning because I'm getting my oil change at like seven a.m. No reserve but me, and she goes, "Yeah, well," uh, I said, "It must be nice working here." These guys, and she goes, "Well, not exactly." Um, she goes, "Well, sometimes if it's if it's slow during the week on Thursday, they'll tell you like, well, don't come in on Friday." And she goes, right. well, yeah, but you're but you've got your budget set for forty hours, and all of a sudden it's thirty two that week." I I can't imagine doing that to somebody. I mean, I just. To me, if you're making twenty bucks an hour, guess what? That's eight hundred hours a week. <laughs> but that that shows you how old I am. I mean, uh, that's not the, that's not the case today, is it? I mean, I, I, but how do you do that to somebody? Well, they just do it. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> you know, she had it done to her a few times, and it's like you know, she she gets done with her shift on Thursday, like, oh, by the way, don't come in tomorrow. Yeah, it's like. But I, I, I mean, it's like, excuse me. I mean, not, not. Well, you know, we're going to cut your hours. You know, two weeks out when we make the next schedule. No, just we don't need you tomorrow. Well, I think were well, you the one who brought it up? It was one of the guests, but I, I sort of suspected it. But of course, I didn't dig through the numbers. Like I think it was you that did. You look at the Social Security. There's there's several pieces of it, right? I mean, there's the old age piece, which most people are familiar with. But then there's the right. aid to dependent children, which I think is 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 fine in terms of uh, funding, right? That piece, if you actually looked into it's, it. It's, it's, and it's, and it's not that big. Yeah, it's not that big. And the other it's one... Survivor's benefits, yeah. And then there's the long-term disability, which for Correct. which was for a long time uh, not a problem either, except now it's becoming... Oh. But now it's becoming the long-term unemployment, basically. And then, But then you read a story. Remember, Carl, again, you would come on, it was years ago. Some 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 guy, we're talking about Southside, some guy in the Washington Post which I know some of you guys like to trash, wrote one of the most, I thought, fascinating articles. It was about a three or four points uh, days thing, you know, covering like two or three pages in the paper every day. It had to do with the uh, uh, the, the time the economy, I don't know how, when, when it was, what time it was exactly. I'll, I'll try and find it maybe. But it had to do with the horseshoe of despair. You remember the story, right? The, uh, where if you, if you look, if you take the Appalachia, Run south across like Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana, and back up through Arkansas. That whole it looks kind of like a horseshoe. Is was right. in, was in serious economic malaise. We'll use a Jimmy Carter term, and uh, and they went through different stories in different counties. In one county in West Virginia, you know, they had uh, a, a double trailer there with uh, 
the kids didn't go to school, and I don't know how many paychecks made it to the trailer and various government schemes, and not schemes, I mean uh, uh, programs. Something like, you know, 15 or 10 checks made it to the thing, and the, the lady claims her kids had, uh, uh, I don't know, what's what's the thing now? Not, not Augsburgers, what's the thing all the kids have? Uh, the mental thing, where you know, different, vi- vi- anyway, it's a, uh, what's the, what am I, what am I searching for here, Carol? The, uh, 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 not autism, the, uh, what's the other one? Might be autism, but, but, but you would ADHD or whatever. Yeah, something like that, but of course you wouldn't take a kid anywhere, wouldn't let anybody take him to examine him, she just wanted to check because the kid was no, whatever. So they worked this area in this county, and then they went to a county in Alabama where some doctor was, was giving all these people the okay to get on disability, and some huge percentage, of, a huge percentage relative to other counties, were on this long-term disability. And right, and and one, I, I remember that that series of stories I read. Yeah, it. and I remember one lady was saying that uh, in that particular county, a lot of the women that worked uh, always had some kind of a, essentially a back-breaking job. Worked in a hospital as an orderly, worked in a nursing home. We were hauling people out of bed every day. She goes, by the time everybody's in their f- late forties, mid fifties. Nobody has a decent back. They didn't have the machines where you'd put up there and you put the guy's arm right. in the thing. She goes, and the, but the interesting statement, Carl, was she goes, I don't know that I'm necessarily disabled. I could work tomorrow if right. you gave me something to do. She goes, but I don't, not one of my friends, I don't know anybody who's ever had a job sitting down. She goes, find me a place. I'm not a dummy. Train me. Yeah, find me a place that, that, that I can actually sit in a chair and do a job. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and right. I want—I don't want to be on disability. I mean, how much, how much of that is is going on? It's some of the jobs that just people about—they're disabled for their job, but there's no other place for them. I mean, it's—I it's, mean, it's hard to look at a hundred million people in a column and say these are problems. But I think a lot of this stuff is happening all over, Carl, and it's ended up in this yeah. column. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know on percentages. Okay, I don't one thing. One thing that certainly causes a problem within the within the disability system is that let's say that I decided that I wanted to be a a crazy level drunk. Okay, so I'm going to put a fifth of whiskey down my pie hole every day, and I do that for a couple of years, and and now I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I can turn around and file disability on that, and I'll win, and I'll get it. And as soon as I get it, I am eligible for Medicaid, regardless of whether I have dependents and whether I live in an expansion state, because normally if you don't have dependents, you can't get Medicaid if you're not in an expansion state. All of a sudden, oh, what's an expansion the, state? Day, the day I get disability, I qualify for Medicaid, and two years later, if I stay on disability, I qualify for Medicare, and it doesn't matter how old I am. Wait a minute, what's, a, what's, a, what's an expansion state? Um, so when Obamacare came in, there were state Medicaid is a partially federally, partially state funded program. Right. Traditionally, in order to qualify for Medicaid, you either had to be disabled or you had to have dependents under eighteen. You had to have children. So if you were poor but did not have dependents and were not disabled, you could work. You didn't qualify for it no matter how poor you were, it didn't make any difference. You did not qualify. Well, because okay, theoretically, so, so this was and and really this was all part of of trying to make sure that that kids at least had some reasonable level of medical care, uh, you know, when even if their parents are broke. Uh, that's how it started, but then when Obamacare was put in, st- 
states were able to uh, to opt out of because several of them sued to get the ability to do it. The original was that okay, now if you're low income, you qualify for Medicaid. Period. Several of the state students said, um, "Excuse me, that's an unfunded mandate. We can't afford that. We've looked at what it will cost. We're not going to do it." Other states said, "Yeah, we will do it." The ones that said no sued and won. So there are states where in, it's as it used to be, and then there are others where if you're low income, you qualify for it regardless of reason. Well, okay, okay, regardless the, the, of whether you have dependents. Uh, but if you are in a non-expansion state, you do not qualify unless you have dependents, unless you're disabled. So if you get on SSDI, you qualify immediately. Now, after two years on SSDI, and that is this has always been true, you qualify for Medicare. And the difference there is that Medicaid, there are many doctors and other facilities who won't take it because it, it pays, in some cases, below cost. Medicare, by law, can't do that. A provider that says that what you're, what you're paying for this is below cost can sue, and if they win, they not only get the, the original amount that you know, was, was below cost, or is not to be below cost, but they also get a percentage for having been right. So as a result, Medicare doesn't do that. Medicare, people say, well, you know, the, the private price is the real price. No, by law, Medicare cannot pay below cost. Okay, so uh, two questions. So Medicare is taken by just about everybody, and that's the reason, because you actually do, they, they do make a profit. All right, because that's sort of scary, because I've seen Medicare bills for people, and sometimes the, the whatever they had done, the, the, the list price is like, Ten grand and Medicare pays like eight hundred. If that's that's ab- right, and, and that's and above they cost. Make a profit at eight hundred dollars because right. if not, if they allege not and they prove it, they not only get the extra money, they get a penalty from the Medicare system because Medicare tried to screw them. Right, that's so, the way the law structure. Right, so if if, if cost is less than eight hundred, what the hell's the the lead number coming out at ten grand for? Because somebody, somebody might pay. It. So I, I get what. No, somebody, no. What it is is it's it's an attempt to force you to buy their so-called insurance from somebody that they're working with, lest you get hammered with a ten thousand dollar bill. All right. It's so extortion. So the, the theory behind the the, the Medicaid versus uh, that if you're working and say say you may make twenty grand a year, there's a number where uh, you you for Obamacare or whatever it's turned into you can get that insurance and get enough help to where you should be able to get it on your own, even though it might be $200 a month, they're going to give you a 150 So, and, and So in theory, if you're working, you can opt in, opt in, but you end up in this other system where they help you there instead of Medicaid. It, that's the theory. I'm not saying it works out that way. Isn't that the theory? Well, it's, it, yeah, and it does actually work out to a point. I mean, you know, like I said, I manage my income, and I, and I pay, I, this year I think it's 3 bucks a month or something like that for for what is actually not bad insurance, but that's because I don't now. If I was to turn around and, and actually earn what I could earn very easily, go out and, and do that work, I, oh hell, that insurance would cost me probably fifteen grand a year. Oh, at least be two grand a month. Oh yeah, I mean it'd be ridiculously expensive, but uh, but I can have it for almost no money, and it's and it's actually decent. Now what happens? Is that most years it doesn't work that way? What I what I can get for without having to pay uh, out of my pocket is is essentially only catastrophic insurance because that's like an eight thousand dollar deductible. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. If I get run over by a bus or I get cancer, yes. Carl, when did uh, whacking me? When did uh, the, the the bigger companies? Uh, I guess 
even though they're state by state, and even though some of them bought more than one state, Blue Cross used to be independent in every state, correct? Well, when, when did they start splitting up uh, their, uh, their their network? Because we had a producer who uh, unfortunately got hurt, and uh, uh, that person, they ended up, they, were, they had like a, a Blue Cross plan, but that Blue Cross plan did not, did not include University of Chicago Hospital, Northwestern Hospital, and like if you took three or four of the what you'd consider being the, the main ones out, Rush, they were they right. were stuck with I won't say lower level, but I guess that's the term because that's what Blue Cross felt. They they were they were left with Provident and places like that to where they could not go. When did that start? Did were the networks? You would think once you're in the Blue Cross network, you can go anywhere, but that's not really the truth. Depending on certain, when did that start? Well, that's that sort of stuff started with the HMO thing originally, um, and then you know now you have the PPOs and the HMOs and you know all these different acronyms that they use. Um, but that was when we went away from post insurance reimbursement. Okay, so you know when I was a kid. Um, and I, I remember going to the doctor when I was a kid. Heck, I can't even tell you exactly where the building was. I don't know if it's still a doctor's office. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a fever, I had whatever, or just I was going in for my annual physical or whatever have you. And, uh, you know, mom, mom got out the checkbook and wrote a check. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then took that bill and sent it in to whoever was, you know, whoever was doing the family's health insurance. And my dad had a job, and so, you know, he had benefits. And uh, so it went through there. But you paid first, which meant you got to see the bill, and you, you had some opportunity, if you hadn't just been run over by a truck, to negotiate. Uh, and, you know, you could negotiate before you had the service done, too. And then you sent it in, and it got reimbursed. Okay, well, now it doesn't work that way. Now everything is all, oh, no, 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 this is, you know, most of the time you don't even know what the bill's going to be until oh, no. after it's all said and done, and you, then you get this thing in the mail from the insurance company. Like a month later. Yeah, like a month after the fact. Okay, I mean, you know, I, there wasn't a single time that, that I went and saw a doctor when I was a kid and see my mom pull out the checkbook. Yeah, or, or cash, I <laughs> mean. Well, or Carol, cash. Yeah. yeah, well, she usually, you know, she usually pulled out the checkbook, okay? But, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe cash. How you do, what's the difference, right? I mean, because you had to have the money in your account or the check would bounce. <laughs> Carl, we got a dash here about SPV is down 37, NASA is down 134. Uh, we had five days up in the market. Do you think it's going to continue or we're going to turn? Uh, I don't know. I think we're, we're, we're kind of bouncing around. People are still in la-la land on the Powell stuff. This is not over. Uh, maybe I'm next week again. No show on Monday. Martin Luther King's birthday. The markets are closed. Carl, talk to you next Friday, if not before. Take care of yourself. Again, SPF is down thirty nine. Back tomorrow. Back Tuesday. Stacks and Jacks. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727.
DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.